In the Gospel we read, And your own soul a sword shall pierce, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And in the epistle, <clears throat> And because you are sons, God hath sent the spirit of his Son into, his, into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I've been a little bit puzzled these last couple of days as I pondered why, why the gospel for today. And I was curious to know, to know why, so I did my research. And why was I curious? Well, in the midst of all the joys of the birth of our Savior, amidst the singing of the angels, the adoration of the humble shepherds, amidst the jubilant liturgical prayers of the church, such as those of Matins that we read today, O ye shepherds, speak, and tell us what you have seen, who has appeared in the earth. We saw the newborn child and the angels singing praise to the Lord. Or again from this morning, this day is the, is the true peace come down to us from heaven. This day, throughout the whole world, the skies drop down sweetness. This day is the daybreak of our new redemption, of the restoring of the old, of everlasting joy. Why, then, I thought to myself, would Holy Mother Church seem to turn our minds away from the cradle of our Lord, to look at the coming sorrows of this newborn king and his holy mother. <coughs> Behold, the gospel says, this child is set for the fall and for the resurrection of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be contradicted in thy own soul a sword shall pierce. It really puzzled me because the whole theme, the entire atmosphere of this liturgical season of Christmas is one of supernatural joy and of hope that is given to us by the arrival of the divine Messiah. And these are the virtues we are meant by Holy Mother Church to cultivate during this season. And then furthermore, this made it all the more puzzling, Guéranger, the author of the liturgical year, says that we that are redeemed in his blood, we may not yet dwell on the fatigues and the passion and the death of our Emmanuel. The time will come for that, that is Lent. At present, we are forbidden to think of him other than as the sweet child that is born to us, the source of our happiness by his having come among us. So why the sorrows of Mary? Well, the reasoning that I found is this. Today might be called adoption, Divine Adoption Sunday because of all the references to it throughout the prayers, namely the epistle, above all, St. Paul. When the fullness of time was come, God sent his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, that he might redeem them that were under the law, 
that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God hath sent the spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, now he is not a servant, but a son. And if a son, an heir also through God. This idea in the epistle is brought up to teach us the, the real and the true link between the meaning of Christmas, which is the incarnation, the birth of our Lord, and its purpose, which is our supernatural adoption into God's family. That's why he came to earth. Now, Guéranger paints a mental image for us. He says to picture the holy infant lying in his crib, he turns to heaven and he says, my father. And then he looks over to us on earth and says, my brothers. And he continues, this is the mystery of adoption. All things are changed now, both in heaven and on earth. God has not only one son, he has many sons. Henceforth, we stand before this our God, not merely creatures made out of nothing by his power, but children that he fondly loves. So the mentioning of that sword that pierced Our Lady's heart, it, it's not meant to make us sorrowful in the midst of all of this joy. It is not to make us think of our Lord's passion we are meant to think only of his birth. But it is there in the gospel to sort of supplement the teaching of the epistle by showing us the price, the cost of our adoption. For the mystery of man's adoption by God is to cost this child of hers his life. I know I spoke just a few weeks ago about divine adoption, but this doctrine is at the very center of God's plan to redeem us. The Father, it is said, out of sheer love and generosity has willed for all eternity to extend to us, to you and to me, his paternity to recognize us as his sons so that we can be filled with holiness and share in his eternal happiness. And Abbot Marmion continues that thought, although it is in accordance with our nature to call God our creator, it is not natural for a creature to call his creator father. That privilege is the result of a purely supernatural act of adoption. By nature, God has only one Son, Jesus Christ. But by love, he wills to have an, an innumerable multitude of sons. As sons, then, and daughters, we should seek only one thing, to please our Father, and to abound in good works. And this is the very grace that we ask for in today's collect of the Mass. And the Christmas octave 
It's filled with the feasts of saints who teach us how, how to abound in good works and how to give our all to the Christ child. We must give our all to the love and service of the God-made man. St. Fulgentius says that the sacred liturgy blends the joy of our Lord's birth with the gladness she feels at the triumph of the first of her martyrs. We shall have John, the beloved disciple, who drank the chalice which our Lord gave him, the holy innocence of Bethlehem, who died to defend the life of the Christ child, of, of St. Thomas a Becket, the martyr for the liberty of the church, and then Sylvester, a confessor, who was the pontiff of peace, who, by the way, defended the divinity of Christ along with St. Athanasius, yet he seldom gets any credit for it. But St. Vulgentius goes on to say, the place of honor amid all who stand around the crib of the newborn king belongs to St. Stephen, who is the first to pay back to the Savior the death suffered by the Savior. Now, honor is shown to the martyrs during this time of Christmas because they most resemble their Lord and King. They shall be, St. Fulgentius says, they shall be like lambs among wolves. Christ was that. The world shall be strong and they shall be weak and defenseless. The martyrs immolated, offered, sacrificed, and yet conquerors of the world will prove that the Christ whom they confessed by their sufferings and by their blood is the power and wisdom of God. These martyrs stand so near the crib of Jesus because they suffered or died and gave everything, not just some, for the divinity of the child whom we adore this season. So here's a thought. This is the example that Holy Mother Church holds out for us, these martyrs during Christmas season. So as we come close to the close of another year, I want you to do this to ask yourself a sort of examination of conscience. If you have given your all in the service of God, in your own spiritual life, in the public worship of God, do you even try to come to Mass once during the week? In our confession of Christ by our words and our deeds, in public and in private, at work, at home, at play, at prayer, do you show that you are a follower of Jesus Christ, worthy of the divine adoption which he has called you to? The answer will be most certainly no, because we can never give too much to God until we give him everything that we have we have not given him enough. And even then, we will not have given him enough for all that he has done for us. 
but start simple. Let us at least desire to give him all. Most of us even lack the desire. Do you really wish in an efficacious manner to give everything, every fiber of your being to God? If not, then pray for it and say with the cure of ours, I do not love thee, my God, but I want to love thee. And so I do not, I do not give you everything, but I want to. Make me want it. That, I think, is how we can end this year and begin a new one, with that simple yet fervent, efficacious desire to give our all in the service of the Christ child. May God bless you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.